0: I am the good shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep. These words and this image from the Gospel of John have captured the Christian imagination. Uh, The earliest images of Jesus uh, are depicted in third century frescoes in Rome are of Jesus as good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. Of course, we know that Jesus was actually not a shepherd. He's described as the carpenter's son. And so uh, he was some kind of artisan, worker of wood and stone. He's also known to have lived in uh, villages. Uh, he started in uh, Nazareth uh, eventually settled in Capernaum. Did not live the nomadic life of the shepherds and herders. But Jesus purposefully chooses that image I am the good shepherd to connect him and us to the whole story of salvation. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob were all shepherds. Moses and the Israelites, shepherds. Ezekiel alludes to the need for having good shepherds, leaders of the flock. Jeremiah relates the beautiful promise, I will give you shepherds after my own heart. David, the great king, after whom all other kings uh, were compared, was a shepherd. And so we have this connection between the image and role of shepherd and the covenant that God has made with his people. But there's another story in Scripture um, about a shepherd that I would on which I would like to reflect. And that's actually the very first shepherd in Scripture. Uh, you have an image of him way up in the front here. Abel, the son of Adam and Eve, the first shepherd. Abel is remembered as Abel the just, and I think he's even. I think it's even uh, written on the wall here in the Roman canon. Um, but actually, as a character in the story of salvation, um, he's important, but not very interesting. Um, he has no speaking parts in the Scripture, and he dies really fast. leaves no descendants, Abel's gone. His brother Cain, on the other hand, is a very interesting character. You remember the story. Abel, the first shepherd, Cain was a farmer, possibly the first farmer. The two of them Uh, offers sacrifice to God. God accepts the sacrifice of Abel and for some reason doesn't like Cain's sacrifice. Scripture does not give any reason for it. But Cain is angry. What's interesting about Cain, though, is that God speaks not to Abel, but to Cain. He says, Cain, why are you angry? Do what is right, and you will be lifted up. A great little pep talk from God. Wouldn't you love to have a pep talk from God himself? Uh, The pep talk didn't work very well, though. Immediately after this little pep talk, Cain takes his brother out into the field and kills him. So Cain becomes set up as the anti-shepherd of all of Scripture. Literally the anti-shepherd. The killer of the shepherd. Right after that, God again speaks to Cain. Cain, where is your brother Abel? And then Cain makes the following remark. It actually sets up his legacy for all of history. Cain says, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? Now, if Cain had been a shepherd, he would have known the answer. You notice God does not directly answer Cain's question. But actually, the whole of salvation history is God's response. And Jesus… Is that response personified? An emphatic yes. I am the good shepherd. A good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. I know mine and mine know me. I am my brother's keeper and it is that role of caretaker, guide and protector from which the role of priest and pastor has grown now you also know that notice that Jesus says i am the good shepherd when he calls the apostles to follow him uh, He does not call them to be shepherds at all, much less good ones. When Jesus calls the apostles, he calls them to be fishers of men and women. Fishermen and shepherds, they really have nothing to do with each other. Sheep and fish have very little in common. Scripture actually has very little to say about fishermen. Uh, The only story in the Old Testament about uh, fishermen is Jonah and the whale, in which case it was actually the whale that was fishing for Jonah, right? Sheep and shepherd have a relationship. The sheep know the shepherd. His or her voice, their smell, their appearance. The shepherd keeps them safe, leads them to pasture and water and places of rest. As far as I know, fish try to keep as far away from the fishermen as they can, and I've never met a fish that liked a net. But nets are difficult to avoid, aren't they? That's why the call of Peter, Andrew, James, and John in Luke's gospel is so important. Jesus tells Peter to lower his nets. And after this miraculous catch, Peter has a prophetic realization of what is going on. He turns to Jesus. He's not looking at the miraculous catch, the miracle but at the worker of the miracle, Jesus. And he says, Depart from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. Jesus responds to him, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. And they left everything behind and followed. It's a key moment in Luke's gospel. Notice what they left behind. It says they left everything, but in particular, they left their nets behind. How do you catch men and women? Certainly not with nets. How did Jesus do it? With the Word. In this case, the Word. The Word uttered from all eternity, whose power created everything, sustains everything, and leads everything to the kingdom. It's that Word. People followed Jesus to hear the Word. A word that he then passes on to the apostles. They will become the word as they go out to preach the good news to all nations. While the words of the prophet Jeremiah come to life. To whomever I send you, you shall go. Whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid, for I am with you to deliver you. I will put my words in your mouth. At the end of the Gospel of John, Jesus asks Peter if he loves him. Peter, the fisherman. Then he instructs him. Feed my lambs, tend my sheep, feed my sheep. Become both fisher of men and women and good shepherd. By virtue of the sacrament of orders, in the image of Christ the Eternal High Priest, you are consecrated to preach the gospel, to speak and become the Word of God, to shepherd the faithful, and to celebrate divine worship as true priests of the New Testament. We read from Lumen Gentium. In just a few moments, I will be posing six questions to Lewis and Ignatius. I know there are a lot of words in ordinations, uh, maybe too many words, uh, but These words are really important. Simple questions that go to the heart of what it takes to fulfill that role that was modeled for us by Jesus, Good Shepherd, Fishers of Men and Women. Will you be faithful co-workers with your bishop and your superior? Priesthood is not a license for private practice. In fact, it's exactly the opposite. It's a profound pledge of communion in what you say and do. Everything is both a result from and a support to the communion you share with the bishop, with the presbyterate, and with Jesus Christ, the true high priest. Will you preach the good news? This does not just refer to the few moments on Sunday or other times when you're unpacking Scripture as part of the Liturgy of the Word, but are you resigned to enfleshing the Word in what you do and say in all aspects of life? Will others recognize in you the good, the beautiful, and the true in your words? Will you celebrate the mysteries, especially the sacraments? Remember that the celebration of sacraments is not primarily for the benefit of the person presiding, but are for the praise of God and the sanctification of God's people. Will you be a minister of God's mercy? I think that this question is of special importance. Mercy is infused into every attribute of God. God's love is merciful love. His power is merciful power. And His justice is an explosion of mercy. In the same way, the ministry of the priest is one of mercy. The altar, the confessional, the sick bed, the classroom, they're all transformed into the seat of God's mercy. Pope Francis describes Jesus as the face of God's mercy. As you stand in persona Christi, will you take on that face of mercy after the heart of God? The last two questions are different from the other four. The next one sort of summarizes the previous four and deepens and the promises that were already made. Will you conform yourself to Christ? This is your John the Baptist moment. Christ must increase and I must decrease. The response to the question is different as well. You notice that they will not respond just, I do, but I do with the help of God. Because you can only be conformed to Christ with the help of Christ. You can't do it by yourself. If you try, you'll become something much different from what you expect. And the final question is made individually. It's the only one that they make individually. You kneel with your hands between my hands and promise obedience. Obedience is uh, not very well understood or appreciated, I think, in today's culture. Um, I think sometimes, you know, we we feel like, well, Father Abbott asked me to go take the car in to get an oil change, and I did it. So, look how obedient I am. That's not obedience. I'm not saying that you shouldn't take the car in to get the oil change, but… It's much, much deeper than that. It is part of conforming yourself to Christ, whereby you place your will at the disposal of the will of the church, the church that is Christ. You think and act with the mind and heart of Christ and His church. You are obedient whether the Father Abbot is present or absent. These six questions will define you as you take on this role of shepherd and fishers of men and women. Today we celebrate the Feast of the Immaculate Heart of Mary, actually uh, Thirty-one years ago, I was ordained a priest on the Feast of the Immaculate Heart of Mary. It was a different date, June 8th back then. Mary has a special love for priests as they strive to walk in the model of her son. You can depend on her intercession throughout the years of your priestly service. May you be conformed more and more to Jesus as you live this sacrament. Strive to be obedient fishermen, bringing the Word of God to life with you in everything you do. Strive to be good and faithful shepherds, walking ahead of the flock in order to guide and seek out good pasture in the middle of the flock, so that they learn your voice and you theirs, and behind, lest any straggle or get lost on the journey.